0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows
1: at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptop, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I normally sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. But today's episode is a very special one because this is my birthday episode. Uh, this is the first time I've done this. I don't know if I'll do it again, but uh, it was fun to do. So my thought behind doing a birthday episode was to give you guys a little bit more information about me and knowing where i came from how i ended up being in an extreme metal band how i ended up starting a craft beer podcast i wanted to give you my origin story so throughout today's episode you will get to hear from three very important and influential people who have been in my life for a very, very long time. And uh, it was great to sit down and chat with them. It was extremely strange to sit down with people and interview them about myself. But I got through it and it was fun nonetheless. So this is broken up into three parts with three people that I love dearly. So up first is my friend, the very first person that I ever played in a band with. This is Joe Martel. I've known him for over 20 years. Here it is is Vox and Hops episode number 165, part one.
2: I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Joe Martel. Uh, Joe is one of the first musicians that I played with in a band way back in 1999 uh, in the It was uh, something very, very important for me that started with you. And it's uh, interesting that we're still friends after all these years and that, you know, even to this point, we might have taken a break. But now we're talking about doing some more collaborations together. So, so take me back to your first impression of me. I have one of you that I'll tell you afterwards.
0: Um. It's weird because I was trying to remember ever since we started planning this, what was my earliest memory of you. And I think it was actually Vince Berardinucci, who I was jamming with Lee Pichet at the time. And I think Jason Harbour, um, you know, it's 20 years ago, so it's all blurred blur in the way. But uh, I think Vince called me at home and I remember being in my parents' living room getting that phone call and he's recommending you as a singer. And I think I was aware of you from being friends with my sister Obviously, wasn't someone I didn't know, but I don't think I knew you directly that well by that point. I didn't even know what to look for in a singer. I was sure if he's interested, let's have him hang out, and he's of the same age group. And if he hangs out with my sister, he's well. I didn't have the highest opinion of her at that time, but still, I I, okay, he must be an all right dude. And uh, I can't remember exactly how well the first you know jam went. But the fact that we jammed for another three years after that in a bunch of different types of bands, it, you know, it must have worked out in some way.
1: Absolutely. And I do remember I being terrified of you.
0: <laughs> terrified because of me? I,
1: yes, yes. Because I, I was courting your sister in grade seven. <laughs> <laughs> so so we ended up playing together when I was in grade 10. But I remember courting Michelle and and. and we, we must have gone to your house or something, and you being the older brother, super intimidated. I've always, especially in high school, I was intimidated by older people. It was something that really, really plagued me. I don't know why that is, and I'm thankful that it's finished. If not, these podcast interviews would be very strange. How old are you? Mm, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. But, but uh, I also do not remember that first jam. I, I don't remember. I do remember the tryout to get into the band, and that was with Lee Pichet in the auditorium, or the cafeteria as we called it, at LTM, Lake Ridge Mountains High School, and it was Jumper by Third Eye Blind, and we just played it over and over and over again. And It must have been for a play or something that Lee was playing guitar or something, and I was there because I was in the play, and that's how I got into I remember that, but it's funny because I didn't know that Vince is a shout out to Vince first off uh, is the one that told you about me which is very very interesting
0: that's what I remember now again 20 years ago high school I, I kind of blocked a lot of it out because while I didn't have the anxiety with older people I just had anxiety about everything related to high school so I don't remember a lot of it but that I distinctly remember getting a phone call I believe it was Vince in my parents living room while I was playing music on my dad's stereo
1: Awesome, awesome. Fox & Hops is all about hanging out with my friends, talking about uh, their lives normally, uh, their music, and craft beer. Uh, what are you drinking on your side, Joe? I know you, do, you, you don't really love craft beer the way I do, so what do you got there?
0: Uh, well, uh, to try to stay in the realm of things, I my favorite tea is a mojito tea, so it's an alcohol relation, so I did add a little rum to it. So I'm, I'm trying to partake as best I can, but I don't think I've been drinking for about 10 12 years by now
1: awesome congrats on that
0: uh, no 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 it's just something i choose to do
1: mojito to you i like that me on my side i'm drinking a crazy ipa from le saint buck i've done countless interviews there and during covid as a lot of craft beer bars started doing, they started bottling their beers, and this is one of them. Uh, shout out to uh, Philip and Vicky for hooking me up with some brews uh, for my interviews. Always appreciate it. Cheers, Joe. Thank you for, for coming and talking about... Uh, it's very strange to talk about me on the podcast.
0: It, it must be a little weird. Inter- interviewing someone about me.
1: <laughs> it's, 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 I'll, 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 it is strange, but I, I'm getting through it. Funny story about that first jam. We started jamming in Lee Pichet's house, as most high school bands do. You guys were older. I don't remember that first jam, but I do remember covering Limp Biscuit, Faith, and when we hit the get the fuck up or shut the fuck up part, I said it, and Lee just stopped playing guitar, and he was like, no, you apologize to my mother right now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i i don't remember ever learning faith so I, I don't have any recollection of that i was never a big rap rock kind of guy
1: no no we know you weren't <laughs> although we did cover lincoln park together but yes <laughs> so so we went through uh, many different band switches but we always stayed together mm-hmm. do you remember what? brought us together because i remember sitting in your room at your parents house on seventh avenue in two mountains and you showing me stink fist for the first time some tool yeah and and playing it on on bass and then subsequently tool became is still now one of my favorite bands albeit Mm -hmm. that they're not an extreme metal band i it's still something that i keep very dear to my heart so so uh take me back to just you and I just sticking together. Why do you think we, we hung and stuck together for so long through so many projects in that short period of time of our life?
0: Uh, I believe communication was pretty good for us. I, I don't think either of us were very shy about explaining what we wanted to each other. Uh, I think to the point where obviously we ended up not being in a band together and I think that was probably part of it because we were too comfortable t- sharing what we thought but uh, not managing it very well. But We'll talk about that later if you want. But in I think we When I look back at all the people we jammed with, and this might be the same for you, the ones that stand out, the ones that I had the best connection with, where it was very easy to communicate, where I didn't have to go into detail uh, about what was working, what didn't work. I didn't feel like I ever had to tell you, no, no, try this a little differently. And I don't feel like you ever had to tell me the same thing on bass or songwriting or whatever it was. Uh, And I think a big key, I've been writing poems and lyrics grade eight so three years before we jammed together so it was something that was always important to me and i still have lyric sheets that both you and i have handwriting on from bell canada paper that i think was at your parents place or maybe at i don't know doesn't remember doesn't matter but we were just scribbling our own thoughts and i really feel like we had the same lyrical ideas we were both happy with your melodies and my bass ideas and we just supported each other really well that's what i remember most
1: And it is very interesting, and it's something that I struggled with after our relationship went sour, and we stopped playing together because you wrote all the lyrics. And and for my first bands, all the songs was you wrote the lyrics. So when I stepped in to Three Mile Scream, and they were like, hey, Matt, are you going to write some lyrics? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) I will. And then, and then it got to the point where where Alex Dallas, shout out, wrote lyrics for me for one of the first songs, which I scrapped, of course, and wrote my own stuff. But, it, but I needed him to do that to motivate me because I didn't know what to do. I did not know how to write lyrics, and it was because I was always just counting on your words.
0: It was just fun to collaborate, uh, whether whether it was religion-based lyrics or drinking lyrics or just dealing with you know emotions of high school, uh, college relationship stuff, we... I don't remember ever thinking... I don't like this idea. Everything worked well. One of our favorites, or one of your uh, lyrically favorite ones was that Immobilize song, which was one of my favorites lyrically as well. Just the storytelling of this murder, and then it's... Probably if I look back now, I'd be... I don't... I haven't looked at the exact wording. I'd probably be slightly ashamed of it, but it's 20 years (laughs) of experience in writing different stuff, but at the time, it was monumental. We're writing this song about murder, and it's not... Locked in a trunk of a car, tragically hip. It was like it was really, it was intense for us.
1: It was really dark, and uh, it's funny because I basically just still do that now with cryptopsy. <laughs> so I <laughs> just do evolved. dark stuff. You mean I write, you know, the <laughs> murder stuff and the, the the brutal death metal world lyrics. So 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 maybe I I haven't evolved and I should have. But uh, we eventually moved on. I played my first shows with you, I you know, just. I think the earliest, and it's as I, I in my mind, I classify as, as a show, but it really wasn't. We just had people come over to Lee's house, and we played for them. I don't know if you remember that night, and I remember being nervous, but it went well. And then our first show show was probably at LTM or or at the Canada Day festivities, which I have photos of. With our yes, you, so do I. You know, and it, and it was it was. I remember being unbelievably nervous, but we got through it, and it was always fun playing on stage with you. You always had a lot of energy, and 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 charisma, and you didn't seem shy on stage, even though you're battling anxiety everywhere else.
0: Uh, I I think it's more interaction with people. I'm not very good because since we our relationship soured, I went into broadcasting school. I've been on the radio. Um, I did stand-up comedy. So being on stage is not such a nerve-wracking thing in general. But then having a conversation with someone... I've probably had more anxiety today for this podcast than I did for any of those shows, basically. Because this makes me nervous. Whereas getting on stage, I'll I'll be worried about playing the wrong note or going too fast or whatever. But at the same time, it's going to be fun no matter what. And those things, maybe subconsciously, I knew we might notice but the people on the that were watching probably would never notice that we sped up in like four beats per minute from the beginning to the end of a song we just had a good time and then yeah i i do remember jamming at lee's in front of people and yeah and i do describe it the same way not a show just playing in front of some people that showed up and then that first candidate day was our first what became the core band first show um we were
1: numb at that point right
0: numb yes yeah i'm pretty sure
1: transitioned into nixtasm
0: which that's another one that i look back thinking we probably could have come up with something a bit better than
1: that (laughs) horrible band name
0: (laughs) (laughs) to the point where we plastered it on this big sign i can't remember the details of that we look at that like, man that's cool it's our band name and then anyone we showed (laughs) what does that mean (laughs) i don't know (laughs) <laughs> something we made up
1: it was number nine didn't i used to just make up stupid words for songs like Newton i think Burger? it was
0: 10 but yes you did were we were just naming things random because clayton would do a lot of the writing on his own bring it to us as a band and he wouldn't have any lyrics so we would just say ten. that's the 10th one and it became nixtasm for some reason i don't know how 10 became maybe because of an x being the roman numeral for 10 i don't know
1: i don't know either (laughs) just just when we had that was the core group that was that was the band that You and I really grew during, uh, that's when I started taking singing lessons and started improving a bit on my voice. Uh, We did our first uh, recordings with that. I don't know if you remember that, just in in my parents' basement. We moved from Lee's basement into my parents' basement, which (laughs) was basically my bedroom. Yes. Turned into a jam room. It was a really cool, it was probably like that for two years. And we just hung mics from the ceiling to a tape deck (laughs) and recorded a demo and those were a great year. So just shout out to uh, Christopher Flint, uh, Louis Saint-Jacques, uh, Clayton Kennedy. It was, uh, you know, some of the best years of our life. And we had so much fun. And we just vibed. What would have been one of your favorite memories of that experience of Nick Stasm?
0: Well, the shows, honestly, that first Canada Day show, the first Petit Cafe Campus show that we did, uh, we did win the, the Battle of the Bands for the school. Uh, th- those went really well. And... Uh, this actually, I remember my bass failing. I, I got my brand new five string, I think, for that show, and then the this, the connection wore out in the middle of the first song, so that went really interesting. But we had great energy on the show, and I think uh, in general, you know, you look at whenever you know the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger and uh, Keith Richards, they'd be back to back, and they were really the band. Everyone was just around them. To me, it felt like it was you and I doing that, where. Uh, It's not that nobody else had charisma or energy, but Louie was behind a drum set, so he couldn't show it the same way. Clayton was still learning, and he just wanted to play his guitar and play it well, and Chris was behind a turntable deck or sometimes singing once in a while. You and I, we were able to be on the move, and we were comfortable with it, and I think that really showed in our chemistry together and the collaboration. So yeah, my best memories are all on stage. As well as a couple of the practices where uh, Justin Seiler, if I can mention some extra names, would show up with his video camera. And I know we did some demo recordings, but I think his camcorder did the best of all the recordings at one point where he did seven songs in a row and we chose those recordings to listen to on our own. And he was good support as well for the band and just... I think we just surrounded ourselves with the right people at the time, and uh, it worked out really well for a short period of time, but it did work really well. Best year of my life, hands down.
1: One of those, you know, we, we had such a drive and wouldn't let anything hold us back to the point where we played a show at a party at your house in your parents' backyard on 7th Avenue, but we had no car and my parents lived on second avenue so what did we do we carried your 810 cab (laughs) four of us and walked it there and back that's right
0: (laughs) i still remember trying to do that at i think it was pittsic campus where we were going up the stairs and they were not wide at all so struggling with drum sets and amps and We had a car then, but I I think it was probably my parents and your parents driving us there. It was was a weird way to get things done, but, you know, we're kids, 18, 19 years old.
1: That was a good show. I have a video of that somewhere. Oh, nice. I don't know where it is. It must be at my parents' house, but I have that backyard show tape somewhere, and that was a fun, fun night. We also, I want to touch on that cafe, the whole Battle of the Bands experience, and I think I, in maturity and in hindsight, I, I really think that the reason why Nixtasm broke up is because of these Battle of the Bands. We won one and we got super hyped. We were like on cloud nine. The band is uh, unstoppable, and then we lost the next one, and it just really took the wind out of our sails and little inner, you know, teenage emotions that were not handled properly just just on top of the, the losing of this thing really got us down to the point where the band ended up just breaking up which, which was something that was always sad in me because it was a uh, uh, something that I, I hold dear to the point where during a few months ago while I was in quarantine I was like I'm going to listen to Nick Stasm I don't know why I was like going to bed and I was like this is good there's some good songs the songs were good we could have done something and yeah. I was always sad that we didn't record anything in a real studio. So we are doing that now, taking it 20 years later. I love that. <laughs> I don't know how you feel. I don't know how you feel about the, the whole battle of the bands. And I've told people in, as I'm growing older telling everyone to don't play battle of the bands. You don't need that. It's it's, I had such a bad experience with it.
0: Uh, I think you're onto something. I, in the end though, I don't think it was so much the losing, just we were immature. We didn't know how to handle that where, whether it was like we we're in our thirties now and the way you work things with your current band and anyone who's listening who's in a career the way you collaborate with people the way you do now is not the same way you interacted and collaborated with people when you were that age and we had a good brotherhood and it meant a lot to us but we were not mature enough to handle the negative parts which is for example losing a battle of the bands or i i feel like there was a confrontation i honestly don't remember exactly what it was but we easily I look back and whatever it was I could handle it so much better today with maturity than we did however we did it back then and uh, that's what it comes down to we were not mature enough to handle the negative parts whether it was uh, I don't we were discussing changing some members of the band at one point we handled that pretty badly I feel and then uh it, it, we were just, and it was an interesting time because we were all going from high school to college and we had to become independent in our own way, uh, personally. And it, it was just a lot going on in one year. And I think we just didn't handle it all pretty properly.
1: But we had fun. We had lots oh, of fun no. when we did have fun, and that's where I want to go next. Okay. Let's talk about the crazy nights that we used to have. We used to do the most stupid shit. Okay, we were crazy. So, so what is your, your all-time favorite memory of the parties we used to do?
0: Not so much the parties, but when we would just walk around uh, and sing. Uh, I would hum bass lines. Clayton would be around doing his guitar and then you'd be belting in public. Just imagining people doing this now just makes me (laughs) shake my head at how stupid we were. But you'd belt whether it was Weezer, Say It Ain't So, Deftones, Passenger. um, And and you just went nuts as if you were on a stage. And instead, we were just at a boardwalk in Two Mountains
1: (laughs) were. We used to do the dumbest shit. You used to jump off of houses. That that was your call to fame.
0: That Well, my mom brought that up again. Anytime I have a sore leg, that's because you jumped off the roof 12 times. <laughs> well, maybe. It could be, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, we we did a lot of stupid stuff. And I think we were, uh, if I remember correctly, I was right at the age of uh, the jackass TV shows and possibly the movies by then, too. And, you know, like a lot of dumb kids, we thought, hey, I could do this, even though it starts out with don't do this as home, at home. They're professionals. I like, yeah, I'm drunk. I'm a professional overnight. And we just did whatever we wanted. <laughs>
1: Uh, we started drinking together i think i started drinking slightly before i met you but uh we used to drink intensely and it was it was not about tasting stuff about enjoying stuff it was even to the point where we did something called head rushing which is where you take a gatorade bottle the bigger the better because the mouth of it whatever the big mouth one is so that the most amount of liquid can come out and we would It's basically you you burn a hole in the bottom, you cover that with your thumb, you fill it up to the top if you want. We would do, how many, like two, three beers at a time sometimes. And then you chug it, take your finger off, and the air pressure just shoots it right down into your gut. So, so.
0: I think there was a, a time one of us did a 40. And it was literally five, ten seconds and gone. Disappeared. Uh, I don't know if we were still in the band when I did the vodka. Was that, like, were you Ooh, aware of when I did the vodka I think, straight? Yes,
1: yes. I think that was during the band, yes. Um,
0: but I tried it a couple of times eventually, and I just blacked out, I think. And, yeah, not not my best moments.
1: No, no. We used to, but it was it was about being extreme. Yes. That's, that's where we wanted to be. We wanted to be extreme, and we wanted to let loose and and go do some crazy things that that's what we did
0: it's what made us laugh and have a good time
1: i'm glad that that those days are behind me and that i can drink a beer and enjoy it just like i'm enjoying this crazy ipa (laughs) from Le Saint buck um did you ever think that uh i would get so involved with craft beer do you remember me having a relationship with beer uh did you ever think that i would start a podcast about metal and beer
0: not at all. Uh, in fact, one of the songs we did write was called uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Gondola, which is another terrible naming job that we did. But it was about one of the worst drinking nights of your life where you just wanted to talk about how terrible you were. And how. how and then there was another one about uh, never wanting to drink again. I think it was called Skin Deep. So uh, the, when we broke up, at that point, you were not drinking. And I don't think I was either. So we can't say alcohol was the blamed for our breakup, I guess. But it it took me off guard to think of the fact that we were extreme drinkers and then to nothing. Just quit. I'm not doing this anymore. And I think you explained why really well. We weren't trying to taste it. We weren't enjoying it. We just wanted to be extreme, get drunk, do stupid things. And then I kind of realized I don't need to get drunk to do stupid things, (laughs) (laughs) which has been my life since. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and that is true I remember I remember writing skin deep and it was always stem back to that I would wake up and be hung over and it still happens sometimes and I'm like oh never drinking again yeah you know like why do I do that and then you hear the stories that and me being so nervous in high school and intimidated by what people thought about me and having such low confidence that, that I, when I would get a few beers in me, I would become just this polar opposite animal sometimes. Okay. So, so, so I would get carried away and, and I would regret what I had done, which is where the whole I wasn't drinking at that point. Luckily, I, I found some balance in life.
0: And there's always going to be balance. It's not that I haven't had anything to drink, but I don't believe I've been wasted ever since. And I had a really bad night where I blacked out after chugging the full bottle of vodka at Chrissy Grenier's house. I was at a last-minute invite, and it was terrible. I don't remember a single thing. I remember my, being told my friends had to carry me into my own house and put me in the basement while trying to run away from my dad because apparently my dad was a very threatening, intimidating person. Also Which scary. must yes. be my, the case for you if you're courting my sister for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Also scary, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, they were trying to run around. I, I think Chris was one of them and Glenn Hilliker, who was also a good friend of the band at that point. Because uh, he did a lot of our lighting, I think, at the shows uh, whenever he could. Uh, anyways, they, yeah, carried me through. I, I just get told of what happened the next day. Apparently, I punched a, a woman in the face. <laughs> Not very hard, thankfully, but it just... I, I was... Uh, yelling at an ex-girlfriend about how good my current girlfriend was in my socks in December weather in Montreal as I'm sure you know is not exactly the warmest so you shouldn't be in socks outdoors it was yeah yeah I, I stopped at the right time
1: what what do you think when I joined three mile and I moved into a more metal extreme do you remember what you thought about all that
0: Unfortunately, I do. Uh, I was jealous, and I hated you. Um, Not in a real hatred way, but I tried to get some other bands going since then, and nothing worked out. Uh, I had a good collaboration with my cousin on drums, but I couldn't find anyone else to actually collaborate in terms of songwriting, guitars, because I was playing bass. And I could play guitar, but I was in no way a guitar player or anyone that could shape a song. So I needed to find someone, and it never worked out, and you were doing pretty well from what my perspective was Uh, and I was also surprised because after the band broke up what I did know was you were not so much the singing lessons part but that you were doing more what I thought was more poppy type music I I'm I don't remember again it was all third hand we weren't really talking the most back then but uh, and then things got we were never at odds with each other we were just uncomfortable we didn't have that same Friendship, we were, we got along. We were acquaintances, but we didn't go. I didn't give you a call to find out what you were doing anymore. So when I found out you were in Three Mile Scream, it was oh, it was taken aback because you were going in a heavier direction. Which, as you could tell from this story, I introduced you to tools. So in a way, I I don't think I introduced you to metal, but I introduced you to different types of metal.
1: You showed me Pantera. You're the person that showed me Pantera.
0: That I remember. But at the same time, you showed me Machine Head, and uh, so you had some metal. And I had my own, but I like the metal I was into was early '90s. I got into metal when I was ten, and you know, my Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Megadeth is still one that I love, and Pantera as well. Um, and I, so that guitar solo type style, and then you were into breakdown type style metal. And I had to show you. I, I remember showing the whole band and bringing Bluey of all people to a Pantera show before they broke up. And, Damn, I, uh,
1: I should I have went to that show. Fuck.
0: That was uh, OzFest 2000. The fuck, I should have went to that. I think it was me, uh, Louis, and Stefan, if I remember correctly. We all went and we saw Pantera. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age was that year as well. I um, think Slaves,
1: Slaves on Dope was on that year.
0: Yep, Slaves on Dope definitely was there. And I was holding up a Canada flag. I think it took place in New York, Saratoga Springs. And Kitty was there as well. So I was holding up the Canada flag for Slaves on Dope. Um and Kitty and they signed it and I think I still have that signature but Slaves on Dope just kind of brushed me off
1: <laughs> no oh come on Jason Rockman
0: it's all good I understand <laughs> they went through a major change I remember Slaves on Dope when they were on Showm winning their battle of the bands I can't remember what it was actually called Shomless Spree that's right correct so they were doing more rock alternative rock and I still have their song Light on Their Feet somewhere in my catalog of music and then all of a sudden they're doing this thrash, not rap metal, but it was very heavy compared to what they were doing. They had, you know, they got to had to hit a new market.
1: <laughs> and then with Cryptopsy, did you uh, going even heavier? What what was your mindset about that?
0: I was very surprised because again, this evolution of going from the bands that we listened to at the time, more of the Linkin Park, Deftones, uh, when we were in the band, I should say and Incubus, where it's almost like a pop metal. Not exactly, but you know what I'm trying to say. And then Three Mile Scream was definitely more metal, less pop. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not good at categorizing what style. And then all of a sudden you're doing Cryptopsy, which I was a band I was aware of for a long time, not anything I'd get into, because that's way past what I'm usually into. Uh, I remember one person asking me, what's the heaviest music you have on your phone? I was Maybe stone sour I don't know I, d- I didn't have anything too crazy at that point, and they were just looking at me, like, what a wimp, but that's just what I was into at the time uh, but i was in I was impressed because that shows so much vocal variety, your limit and range, I should say not limit your range from a real singing style to the death or black metal or extreme metal and when I listened to this the tunes it was I was so impressed uh i because i was the growler in the band when we were jamming together i was doing the growling and uh, i've never taken a course it's just something i okay i think i can do it and it sounded fine and then you actually do it with actual melody and uh, that's completely foreign to me
1: it's true it's true i remember that thank you for that um and the thing that is interesting is that i don't get to sing clean at all anymore because it's just not something that happens but the other day we started talking and when we listened to and we're actually gonna start re recording some Nyxtasm songs twenty years later and I got to track a song, Clean Vocals here and it felt so good and the range I was like re listening to this and I was like, Man, I would never ever write a song where my chorus is in this range and it feels so natural and it worked really well even after all these years and I'm excited to get them out there and to, to show people.
0: I, I, I hope you enjoy this story. I did a social distant visit with my parents. They live in London, Ontario, about an hour away from me. And I brought my phone, and I had both tracks, the original demo that we had from 20 years ago and then the recording that we have so far. And I played the first one. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this tune. Then I played the second one, and they both just, that's Matt. That's the extreme metal guy. It, it just blew their mind. The the You were already a good singer before singing lessons. But the improvement, it just blew their mind. And I've shown everybody I could think of. My fiance now went to high school with us, uh, didn't know you that well, but knew of you because friends with your cousins. And she's like, that's him. That's someone I knew in high school. Very impressive track. And probably how many takes did you take? Probably a handful at most.
1: Not no no not very many. It was almost the one I run. Yeah, through. one. Yeah, there you
0: go. <laughs> yeah. So it was just such a natural, amazing recording. And you know, we might work it some more and improve, but it is so beautiful to hear songs that we created 20 years ago using today's technology, and it sounds just as good as. <sighs> I always pictured music in my head really well, and I think that's what I really helped me st- structure a song. And it's finally sounding the way it pictured. I pictured it in my head twenty years ago.
1: Oh yeah, it's hard. It's it's. I wish that we had gone to a studio. I wish I had that demo, those four or five songs. We had more than that, but you know the good four or five that were very strong. And we're doing it now, people. And I'm super stoked about that. Uh, Joe, thank you so so much for taking some time to uh, shine some light on me growing up and uh, the the influence that you had on my musician life and i can't thank you enough for that and uh i'm glad that we're we're still friends after more than 20 years but
0: it i called it a brotherhood and i still think of us even if there were some bad times i think of all four of you guys as still brothers in a way even though our lives are so drastically different definitely um yeah family man perfect cheers joe cheers
1: Yeah, that was, I love Joe so much. I've known him for for over 20 years. It is amazing that we're still friends. It is so much fun to to reconnect with people. He doesn't live near me anymore, but of course, when you just hang out, it's exactly like I'm back in his basement and he's showing me Tool again for the first time. I love you, Joe. Thank you so, so much for doing this for me, having a chat with me. I'm super stoked to have had you Uh, shine a little light on who i was back in the late 1990s early 2000s thank you so much joe coming up next is uh someone who is very important to me she is one of my oldest friends she has come to some of the thirsty thursday hangs if any of you uh have been there. I remember Katrina Benoit being there. She is uh, one of the people that fueled me with confidence when I needed it. So, so here it is. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 165, part two, with Katrina Benoit.
2: I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Katharina Benoit. or as I like to call her, Tina Benoit, Uh, one of my oldest friends. Uh, We've known each other seriously probably for over 25 years. I would think at this point uh, we might not have hit it off right at the beginning together, which is what I think is interesting about our relationship. (laughs) And I'm sure I want to touch on that. Uh, But uh, let's start with just an easy question. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great.
1: This is going to be a uh, fun backstory episode, and I wanted to dig in with people that uh, shaped the person that I became, especially, especially when it comes to uh, my music side and uh, having a sense of confidence, and I really, really have this like clear vision of my mind when I became a confident person, and it was absolutely... Thanks to you during those years, I would say the year was probably 2002 when we really, really became close for a, it was like the part of our lives where we became very, very close and it was thanks to you that I've gained a sense of confidence and believed in myself and that I could do things and then subsequently I joined Three Mile Scream and then subsequently thanks to that I ended up in Cryptopsy and the rest is, uh, as people would say, history. (laughs) So, so th- thank you for that. And I will, we'll get there, but let's build this up to a, uh, let's start at the beginning. Do you remember, or do you have in your mind a clear vision of what your first impression of me was Be- because we met in grade seven, absolutely, secondary one for everyone else that doesn't speak yes. that type of <laughs> grade schooling. And we we were, we were, we were young. We were, we were like, what, 13, 14. <laughs> I was younger because I'm always the youngest because my yes. birthday is in july uh, so so uh, what was that vision What is that vision? what is your your memories of your first impression of a young Matt Migaki
3: okay, first impressions i We were the same age. I might have been close to a year older than you, but I had lived this whole other life, and you seemed honestly immature uh unaware of a lot of things in the world you seemed like young you were you were young you know and i had seen some things i had been involved already with um selling weed and smoking weed and a little drinking and you were this you know cute little kid who looked like a cartoon character honestly
1: i was very very innocent and and i was a very very quote unquote good yes yes (laughs) i was afraid of the teachers i did my homework (laughs) and because i liked it because i I did like going to school but mostly out of fear (laughs) because i didn't want to get reprimanded and and
3: no i was i'll admit you were of the normal side for your age and i was more of the extreme so it was definitely me who was the odd one out in that situation but you were just a little bit more immature I think than the average uh guy your age at that at that time
1: yeah and I was coming from a French elementary school and going into LTM which is our high school Lake of Two Mountains High School uh it was my first transition into an English school and I had very few friends that came with me from one school to the next so I sort of had to just create like a whole new (laughs) group yeah. of friends, and we sort of ended up sitting at the, the Misfit table yes. together. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes, because I also came from another school. Uh, there was only, I think, two or three others from my elementary school, and I wasn't friends with them. So there we were at the Misfit table together. We couldn't have been more polar opposite.
1: It's true. At it's that true. Point. yeah. <laughs> and 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 you would make fun of me, and I would put up with it because I had nowhere else to sit.
3: <laughs> oh, you didn't make fun of me. No, I'm sure I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As the years
1: passed, we we grew up. I had my. I'm sure you were at that party. I know you were at that party where I had my first beer, a Lucky Lager, which we picked up. It was warm. It was disgusting. <laughs> uh, subsequently, I've become really into craft beer, as you know, and I have a podcast about it.
0: Vox <laughs> yes. and Hops is all about <laughs> hanging out with
1: my friends and talking about life, music, and craft beer. Today I'm going to be drinking Red Racer's Street Legal Pilsner. This is a non a de alcohol. Oh, i got to get this right. A de-alcoholic... <laughs> <laughs> de-alcoholized this is a hard word for me today uh, Pilsner. <laughs> and, uh for some reason it comes in a 500 ml can i this is the first time i see a craft beer in this and this oh. is brought to uh, it's a red racer is from bc this was brought in via transbrew and Ashlag into the quebec market so uh let's see what it's got what are you drinking on your side there tina
3: well as you know One of the things that we're opposite is I can't stand the taste of any beer, (laughs) so I don't drink any of it. But I've tried tried a lot, and you've actually constantly over the years continuously said, you'll like this one. It doesn't (laughs) taste like beer, and it always does. So I have my classic Tia Maria with some milk and ice, almond milk. And this is the, I thought would be a drink that could bring up some memories
1: and it does as soon as you showed me the glass before we started recording it took me back to that trip that we took together to go visit mike ramsey in nova scotia and we drank you drank tia maria's the whole weekend
3: oh i emptied a 40 of tia maria And at the time, I was, uh, I think I drank four liters of cow's milk in two days.
1: (laughs) It was fun. It was fun. Um, Yes. This is actually really good, this street legal Pilsner. The uh, non-alcoholized, for some reason I can say that, but I can't say de-alcoholized Pilsner from Red Racer. It uh, feels like a beer. It's interesting. Very interesting. Good job, guys. Uh, Do you you remember that first party at Casey's house? Uh, Of course, shout out to Casey Barnaby Brown. Uh, where when we were in high school, that's where we always hung out. Uh, probably even a more of a massive shout out to to Susan for for putting up with us. Yes, Casey's absolutely. Mom and letting <laughs> being the cool mom and letting us go yeah. and party and have fun responsibly most of the time. Do you remember that first drinking night? That because that was the first time I drank alcohol.
3: Absolutely. If that's the party where I became the swimmer. Yes. <laughs> then I absolutely remember I got. I uh. I ate a steel toe. No, actually, that was my cousin's No, cousin that's, too, that's two,
1: part two. separate parties. That's, you're right. No, no. The first right. first party was was the the intense one with the. No, I think I'm mixing up the parties too. Hold on. You're
3: mixing up the parties cuz were you going to say the one where you jumped and yes. the floor? Yes. <laughs> you almost went through the floor into the basement yes. <laughs> and that floor was never the same again. <laughs> I always said if I won some sort of like cash lottery I'd buy
1: that woman a new house. She deserves it. We, we we. you know, she was nice and we probably took advantage of her. Yeah, we were horrible little. You used to dress me up in her 70s clothes. Yeah, it was wonderful. For for a laugh. Uh, I was always up for that. That's a a good part of me coming from my theater background. Yeah. Not caring about what people thought, really. But this is before the internet, which, uh, which I thank... Whatever higher power there is. Yes. That there was no internet. Well, there was, but there wasn't like a social media network for when I, I was in high school because we did a bunch of ridiculous things that I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to be.
3: Yeah. But see, that was, there's some evidence that I think you give a little bit too much credit to me for, um, like you're saying, I'm give, I gave you confidence and you're able to go out and do things because you always sort of had that within you. Uh Sometimes you just needed you know a few beers to get it out, I <laughs> guess, <laughs> but you you really didn't care. you really didn't care, and that was so good to see. It was wonderful.
1: Do you remember me enjoying beer? Was it something that you 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 saw me as being a beer drinker? Did you ever think that I would eventually have a craft beer podcast?
3: uh no, that started a lot later. In the beginning, it was beer for the purpose of getting intoxicated, and it was to hang out with your friends, and you would, whatever is cheapest, and you would carry it in your backpack, and it wasn't about the enjoyment of the, of the beer, it was just, oh, here we go, this beer on special i'll get it fit as many as i can in my backpack and let's go for a walk
1: because we had to leave susan's house eventually we couldn't stay at yes. casey's house <laughs> up to a certain point we'd get too rowdy so at that point we would go out and we Absolutely. would leave what is the craziest things that we did we called these fridays because it was friday yeah And funnily enough we we as we got older we we started thursdays <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think it's because we were working on Fridays. I think we became like responsible.
1: I think so too. I, I can't remember why that started, but
3: I think you, you got a job in a,
1: I was working at the bank. I think
3: there was something, there was some reason,
1: but, but, but do you remember some of the craziest stuff that we did that, that we are lucky that a we didn't get hurt Yeah. or, you know, something worse could have happened.
3: Um, I would say you and I, not so much, because we were great at getting everyone else to do the crazy stuff for our entertainment. <laughs> like, we were, we were like little manipulators. <laughs> we were horrible. <laughs> we, like, honestly, you and I know, but we had friends who crawled under streets in, where it easily could have collapsed on them. We had, we made people eat weird stuff. Uh, people climbing things and doing all sorts of acrobatic things. And you and I, we were kind of scared or I don't know, maybe we just had a good fear, a good like fear instilled in us. So we didn't really do anything that crazy ourselves on Fridays. We just did a lot of um, uh, making other people do crazy stuff.
1: That is true. There there was a whole bunch of crazy things that, that, I don't know why that came that way. I think we just enjoyed laughing because we, because (laughs) <laughs> for the record, everyone else, we we sort of got along in early high school, but then at this point, for some reason, we didn't get along yeah. until we were intoxicated, and then we were friends, and we would manipulate other people to do things and laugh at them. Yeah, not in a mean way. It was it was like a like a an egging them on to do something crazy, and then we would just enjoy the fact that let's they actually be clear, did
3: it. we would have a friend that would say, "I'm going to climb this tree." And then we would say, absolutely. What a great idea.
1: I think you should go higher, though.
3: Yes. What about that pole over there, that shady sign hanging off of
1: it? And then there'd be other people in the group that were like, no, come down. And we were like, higher. (laughs) Oh, we were bad.
3: Just for you to know, and I've told you this before, um, at that point, we would say that we hated each other. Um, but I never really hated you. I always enjoyed when you were coming over. I knew we were gonna have a great time, and we used to do the dumbest things. I used to smell your breath. This was something that we did together. and I'd have to say what area of the grocery store it smelled like like we we were so we were like best friends for one night every week
1: yeah which is which is more than, than we get now right
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right we were closer then <laughs>
1: the, the, the grocery store game was was an interesting one try to explain that to our kids right
3: <laughs> it's so it's so weird it's and it was always bread it well, it's because we're so... drinking
1: beer and it's the, the, yes, the exactly.
3: <laughs> but we've never like see we didn't have the appreciation you didn't appreciate beer enough to like clue into the fact that that's why it's bread it's just like, oh, Brett again. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you remember when I started playing in bands?
3: Yes, I remember. I remember this is what used to bother me. And I used to always tell you, and this is what you must think might be in playing with your um, self-esteem or confidence. But you used to have such talent, like a really, really obvious talent and sometimes you would be playing with people who just didn't have that sort of like natural ability and they would make you feel less than and you would like buy it sometimes and that used to like really bother me so I would say like I would always point out like no you're so much better than them (laughs) Like, don't listen to what they have to say they're just jealous because that used to happen a lot.
1: Something about high school, I know that for myself, it took me so many years to get over high school and get over, you know, it's a five-year window, high school, but it has such an impact, or it had such an impact on who I became, and I I still look back, and it it feels like those five years are so long, but, you know, this year, it's been 20 years that we graduated, and so much more has happened, but those moments that we were together, with that group of friends in that basement at Casey's house were those moments that shaped me so much. And, and, you know, the moments of being like left out thinking that I wasn't cool enough, wasn't good enough, were far more impactful and and hurtful than anything else that has happened after that. I don't, and I don't know why that is.
3: Oh, I, I can totally enlighten you on that. When you said you came to this high school from another school, you didn't know many people and you were just trying to find a group of friends and fit in same here on my side. And so I think I have this exact same experience as you. I also, I sort of never felt like I belonged. I was always there allowing me to hang out with them. Uh, I don't really belong here. I don't really fit in. Um, And I also even didn't even like live in the same neighborhood as the school and, all these people. So I feel like spending five years just trying to be accepted and being sort of not really rejected, but nobody really appreciated your style and your comedy. Nobody appreciated mine. I was, I felt there was a little bit of sexism there as well, honestly, because I was like, crazy hilarious and <laughs> people people wouldn't acknowledge it like i'm sorry i was funny <laughs> it's true there,
1: there there, probably was some some sexism going on in that group and uh no, not, no if any of the guys are listening it's, it's nothing against uh i, no, I would no. not be the person i am if it wasn't for those years and i'm grateful for them we had fun uh do you remember the moment when i so the fast forward to this time where we became very close and you gave me so much confidence i don't know what it is i think it was just you and me we would hang out very frequently and and we just have discussions and you just pumped me with so much confidence to the point where just everything in my life just started to click i i joined three mile scream i met jessica who is now my wife everything just sort of clicked right after that and it's as if you like it's almost like uh, having an ayahuasca trip where people feel they're like <laughs> awakened and and uh, enlightened after we spent, you know, well, it was probably a period of 3 to 4 months being extremely close and it really just totally launched me into this new section of my life 20 years ago now, you know, under 2018 years ago now. It's uh, I
3: I remember that I thought you were awesome. I had for a very long time, but I mean awesome in the sense of crazy intelligent witty smart uh and not dumb enough to get yourself involved in some of the things that can bring somebody down you know some of the harder things of of this world you sort of had the brain to stay away from and i would i just thought you were great and i felt like you actually had lower than normal confidence you were down on yourself a lot you allowed uh what you thought were other people's perceptions of you sort of hold you back and it was wonderful to see you get this. I don't give a fuck attitude.
1: It was a bit. It was a bit extreme for a moment, but I, I, I curved. Ooh, it yeah,
3: <laughs> you sort of. The <laughs> pendulum went a little too far at one point, and um, you know, of course, at one point you could have been uh, described as somewhat of a pompous ass. Um, who is that? I don't want to meet him. Fuck him. And uh, it was. It was hard to wrangle you in sometimes because you know you. You had gone so far, but it, you know what, if that's what was necessary then that's great because you started being able to go up on stage and not give a fuck anymore. Uh, I remember a time when you really cared about what you looked like when you were, I'm talking like high school days, and it preoccupied you, and so to be up on stage, I can't imagine you're focused on what you look like, on, on your appearance, I can't imagine being able to do what you need to do and having that distraction.
1: I think actually the only time that it didn't bother me was on, on stage, the appearance part of it, because I was just so focused on the performance. Okay. It's, it was actually a, a freeing time in my life. When, when, you know, I could actually hit the notes because it took me a yeah. long time to get...
3: <laughs> it was great. We would practice at karaoke. You would make me sing songs that you could laugh at me because I definitely don't have that range. You know, Whitney Houston <laughs> comes to mind.
1: <laughs> Those are fun notes too, yeah. Uh, anyone... That is listening. I miss those nights. It was at a uh, bar billiards yes. in, in in two mountains where we grew up and we would go and we would we would bang out some karaoke. And that's uh,
3: it was wonderful. But we did it as a goof. And it was great. It was great. I remember having so many laughs and killing our, our throats because this is pre uh, the smoking laws, yeah,
1: you mentioned that, and it 's funny that you mentioned this because you you I remember you telling me this when I joined cryptopsy, you were like don't do cocaine don't yes <laughs> <laughs> don't don 't get caught up into uh, what was the, i can 't remember the exact phrase, but it was it was basically like don't don 't start doing hard drugs,
3: yes, I was like, please don 't be that person that allows himself to get wrapped up in that world because if you fall in that hole you 're going to have to dig yourself out. And you just don't need it. And I remember being like, "Don't." And and also, I remember saying, "You could let Jessica know." I was like, "Don't cheat on your girlfriend, and don't do hard drugs." <laughs> that was
1: it. <laughs>
3: yes, I was like, "You better be a good person."
1: And and I have, and I'm happy that I have. And it's a cryptopsy where we're all about just t- t- tasting <laughs> some fine craft beer and laughing in our in a, either our bus or our bandwagon or backstage. That's, that's what we do we have no time for, for <laughs> any well, of those complicated things
3: that's great I remember the first time you left on tour it was so wonderful and you had sent a picture of you standing in front of this huge crowd and I was so impressed and I would show everybody like look this is my friend and people who knew you I was like look at that and you came back and I'm pretty sure my first question was did you do any drugs? <laughs> <laughs> you do. And uh you were like, "Oh my god, no time. No time." And I was like, "Good."
1: <laughs> uh Cryptopsy is an extreme metal band. Uh I know that you're not super big into extreme metal. <laughs> when I told you I was joining Cryptopsy and and keep 3 mile going, uh what was your impression of that?
3: I Okay, so when I first listened, uh I was like, "Okay, I'm probably not going to be listening to this on a Sunday at my house while I'm doing dishes. (laughs) (laughs) But it seemed like it fit you somehow. Like it was, oh, this is what he should have been doing this whole time. You know, like it just made sense. It wasn't shocking. And in fact, I was like, are you sure you're not going to, you know, spread yourself too thin? Are you going to be able to like handle this? And I was sort of thinking in the back of my head, I feel like he's eventually going to just focus on one project and one thing that is going to definitely have to take over because you do sort of spread yourself thin and take on a lot of things at the same time. But I, I just feel like this music was just you and it was, Oh, okay. That makes sense. You know, like how can you use your talents? This was the best way because honestly, the way you can sing is it's amazing it's something wonderful. Like the notes you can hit and what you could do to your voice is just incredible. So I feel like this is how you can use your talents in a way that it just works. Honestly.
1: Um, when I told you that I was starting Vox and hops, did you ever think that uh, it would come to the point that it's at with over 160 episodes? Um, did you think that it would be something that I would stick with?
3: Yeah, Absolutely. In fact, I, if you ask me now where I think everything is evolving to, I mean, I think that there's nothing that you probably can't accomplish. So I'm not surprised that it's doing well. I feel like when you throw yourself into something, especially something that you love and you're passionate about, of course, it's going to do well. You know, hard work and something that you enjoy is the secret formula for success, I find. So no, I'm not surprised.
1: Well, that's wonderful. Thank you. One last question. Uh, What is your hangover cure?
3: (laughs) Um, I never have a hangover. So because I don't really drink, if I've ever had a hangover, water and Tylenol, I guess.
1: Tina, thank you so, so much for taking some time. Drinking some Tia Maria and almond milk. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, I enjoy this de-alcoholized red racer pilsner it's a great to chat with you we're going to keep hanging out but not with you guys listening cheers tina (laughs) cheers (laughs) Tina 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 I always have so much fun with Tina it's uh, been really sad during COVID that we haven't been able to be together Uh, I miss her dearly she has an excellent sense of humor as you guys can tell and whenever we do hang out all we do is laugh so so uh, stoked to see you again Tina can't wait for this corona shit to go away so we can just hang out And, uh, it's always fun. Thank you so much for taking some time and telling everyone about me in the early two thousands, uh, that vital point of my life where I was transitioning into becoming a metal singer, into joining a Montreal based metal band, which leads me up to the next part, the final part of this origin story episode. Up next, we have, uh, someone that was very important into introducing me into the Montreal metal scene and then subsequently into the global metal scene. I met a bunch of people. I learned a whole, whole lot from this guy. This is Mike Marino. He is the guy that brought me into everything. I would not be where I am. Right now, in Cryptopsy, touring the world, having a craft beer podcast where I get to chat with uh, metal musicians from around the globe, none of this would have happened if it wasn't for this next guy. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 165, part three, with Mike Marino.
2: I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Mike Marino, one of my longest-time friends. As is the theme for this episode, um, let's just start with an easy question. How are you doing, man? It's good to see you.
2: Doing okay, man. Considering happy to be here, happy to be hanging again, I'm feeling a little normal.
1: It's uh, it's it's been some some strange times, absolutely. So uh, let's just touch on. Uh, I want to get shine a little bit of light on who I was, how I have gotten to where I have in life and uh, I handpicked you to be a part of this episode because I think that you were very important for that. So so let's start with a very easy qu- question for me. I remember the first time I met you. Do you remember the first time you ever saw me or met me and do you want to tell tell everyone that story?
2: It's a good question. Uh, I definitely remember seeing you play a battle type show if I m- remember correctly at Cafe Campus and uh that was an i remember parts of that night but not all of it for various reasons <laughs> <laughs> but yes i definitely remember that night and then i remember subsequently seeing you at some other performances with your old band and so
1: on and so forth it's it's a very i remember exactly i uh, was playing a Tasm yeah i was it was basically a local two mountains band which is basically a suburb of montreal And I remember going to visit you guys jamming at 1180. Yep. Which is a classic now dead jam room here in Montreal. It has been torn down. It makes me sad. But I remember going there and just being so in awe of of (laughs) coming to see your jam room in downtown Montreal to see you and the Haven Boys. Do you remember that time?
2: Oh, I do. I absolutely remember. I... I think I even remember which couch you were sitting on and in it. It was, <laughs> I remember the layout of the room and the whole thing. It was actually in the room that we later, I ended up playing with, with
1: catalyst as well. The same room. That's so funny. Yeah. So that and didn't, it, didn't it transform into Pavlo's room too, which became yeah, my, the era of my old. That's right. Bands? Yeah. It that's all so kind of
2: went one into the other, into the other, into the other, but initially in the very beginning, and I want to go back to 2000, maybe, even 99 that was when i first moved into room 402 (laughs) and that was with the guys in haven at the time which then became sign of one and so on and so forth but yeah that that was my first jam room and it was this downtown thing and at that time we i didn't know anybody in the building except well i knew the guys in the capones and i knew Everyone knows Fern. But at that time, I didn't. If Pavlo was there, I, I didn't know him. I didn't even know of him or
1: anything. And then I remember Nick Stasm broke up, and I, I just went to school and focused on that, and I did nothing with music until one day you called me. Yeah. T- t- take me through this whole thought process of, of remembering me. Um, deciding to include me into this new project that you were creating that became Three Mile Scream. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: As far as my recollection, (laughs) uh, we were getting together. We were jamming with a drummer in the West Island at the time uh, in his house, and I had found our guitarist, Alex, if I may use names. Of course, yeah, yeah. Shout yeah. out
1: to Alex Dallas. I love you, brother.
2: Yeah. And so I had known Alex from the past doing shows when our bands did some co-shows together with his older group. And I kind of called him as well as Mark, the drummer. And we were jamming at his, Mark's house, and we needed a singer. And I remember we had tried a few guys, and nothing was really clicking. And I turned to Alex, and I said, I know this kid. And I go, it's a bit of a long shot. I said, <laughs> <laughs> I, go, I know this kid. Let me give him a call. Let's see what happens. And I don't even think I had your number. I had to get it from a mutual friend of ours, Candice.
1: Yeah, shout out to Candace Ramsharan.
2: Yeah. I can't even remember. I can't believe I'm even remembering this. And then I called you, and then you came down. We, I think I picked you up at a train station in the West Island.
1: Yes, and Alex was not impressed because what was I wearing?
2: Oh yes, your fisherman's hat. (laughs) I remember he looked at me like, man, really? I'm like, just give him a chance, relax. (laughs) (laughs) But it went went well, and then at the end of it, Alex and everybody turned to me and they were like, wow, like they were pleasantly surprised, and I guess it just kind of clicked
1: and that was the band that was the band that became Three Mile Scream in the beginning anyway yeah yeah yeah. shout out to Mark too of course uh And uh, to his parents for being patient and letting us jam in his basement up until 10.29. (laughs) (laughs) Then it was no go. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about life, metal, and craft beer. Today, we are going to be sharing a special brew that I was hooked up with thanks to a mutual friend that we have, Mr. Randy Bly of Lama God. This is the Brew Dogs Lama God Ghost Walker alcohol-free IPA. Let's crack this open. Let's see what it's got. Do you remember my relationship with alcohol throughout (laughs) I'll scream. You want me to talk about this? Go for it. (laughs) This is what this is about. Do you remember? Because I have a craft beer podcast now, do you? Yes, yes, of course. Um,
0: Well,
2: (laughs) Matt likes alcohol. (laughs) He always has. Uh, No, I mean, look, we had a lot of fun nights drinking, whether it be at Jam, at Foofs, at parties, at the jam space, all over the place pretty much. And sometimes Matt could be very belligerent, <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> he'd be very lovey and happy. So you had to hope, you know, which whether you get Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde on a given night, but either way it was good and we had a good time with it. And I'm not one to talk because as we all know about my exploits at the Fufun with the drinking, so, I mean, we, all, we were all young and having a lot of fun.
1: Absolutely. And which leads me to my next question. First, let's cheers on this. Let's see what the sucker's got.
2: That's good.
1: It is good. It's, it's honestly one of my favorite non-alcoholic beers. It's good. Brewdog does a really good job with it. It's got that hoppy bite. It's more of a West Coast than an East Coast style IPA, but it's, it's absolutely drinkable. And um, it's got a great mouthfeel uh, for, for a yeah. non-alcoholic. Smooth. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go, Brewdog. There was always this thing in my mind, and and, and, and you always believed in me, believed in Three Mile. And I was always like, and it's funny it ties in with with this beer and Randy, Hmm. is is I would never believe that we were going to make it. And you were always like so confident in us, so confident in the band and saying, I remember we had Randy at our jam room because he was with Bloodshot Eye. And we left to go do a photo shoot in the basement for the first corporate punishment release. Yeah. A prelude to our demise. And you were like, do you believe it yet? So, so how, did, how did you keep this going all that time throughout those years? Just just keep motivating the band? Ah, huh, that's
2: a good question. Well, I guess I can tell you now I was a total fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> do you believe that truly no 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 <laughs> no. no man because i honestly at the time we had all the right parts everything everything kind of complemented each other the the lineup at the time when that record came out everything kind of interconnected and log- i believed in it prior to that but i feel like it kind of matured to there and then kind of so when it it became what i thought it always could have been let's put it that way and so it was just a matter of fine-tuning and kind of maybe this guy's not quite right. Maybe he is. Maybe we need to make an addition. Maybe we maybe it's just going to take X amount of time for the songwriting to get to a certain level. Maybe, you know, I feel like just all the chips kind of fell in the right place around that time, which, if I'm not mistaken, was either 05 or 06.
1: I think that's right, too, yeah. And I, funnily enough, we, we got the phone call from... Tom from corporate punishment it was my birthday. Yeah. And we were camping. That's right. Up in the woods. I remember that very vividly. Near Mont-
2: I was very what's the word I could use? I was very determined to keep that con- that phone conversation together considering we'd been camping and drinking all night. And, and that, then you
1: passed me the phone to him because he wanted to talk to me or say hi to me. Yes. And you quickly took the phone back away from me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz uh, yeah. It was it was you know you weren't terrible, but it was just—I was just saying, oh, okay, that's enough of that now. And no, I, I took it back and <laughs> went back to the just to make sure everything was copacetic, and uh, it was. And you know, hey, look, we got a release. The label did. You know, we could sit and remember and criticize and laugh, and but everything they said they'd do, they did, and everything we said we'd do, we did. So really, when you think about it, how many people from this town, anyway? were able to say they were signed by an American label that was an imprint of universal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How many? Mm-hmm. Like you could probably count them on one hand, maybe two.
1: And Tom's gone on to do some really cool stuff now too with, uh, David Ellefson.
2: Yeah. I'm yeah. I saw, I've actually saw Tom and Dave at a few NAMM shows and I kind of went and spoke to them and Tom remembered he his eyes kind of bulged out when he first realized who I was <laughs> But then it was cool, and we talked, and then Dave Ellison, that we'd spoke to, and I actually, we were dealing with Dave Ellison for PV at the time because we had, during Three Mile, we got an endorsement, and if you'll recall at the Milwaukee Metal Fest, when he came and hung out with us at our van.
1: I remember that 100%. I yeah. also remember that fest in general. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we played the Milwaukee Metal Fest when it wasn't cool anymore. That's right. It was an absolute disaster, and that drive... Oh, we just drove just straight for one show.
2: I still tell that story to people today. <laughs> Go
1: <laughs> for it. Do it. Oh, no, no.
2: I mean, what was it, 19 hours?
1: I think so. It was one of those ones.
2: Yeah, it was about 19 hours for one show. I dis—I distinctly remember meeting up with our publicist in Southern Ontario for a meal along the way, James.
1: Shout out to James
2: left. James right. Sorry. Shout out to James right. <laughs> James left. Um, Jimmy the left. So he's <laughs> <called him. laughs> So, and then we drove through and we had that whole border ordeal. With that
1: lady. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, I had forgotten. No, I, no, I didn't. <laughs> well, you, you sweet. Was that another thing you faked your way through the border, too? Well, I mean, like, we didn't have anything to hide,
2: but it was just a matter of they definitely took one look at us and were looking for any reason not to let us through. Mm-hmm. Well, we were going to do a promotional gig. Yeah, that's right, which they. Seemed very unimpressed at that answer. <laughs> do you remember them crumpling the letter and throwing it in the garbage? No, I don't. <laughs> I do. And, That's hilarious. And, and I remember Alex kicking me under the under the desk while I'm talking to her, and I'm like, "Man, fuck off," <laughs> you know, because like, he was getting frustrated. Yeah, yeah. Like, anyway, so finally, after that whole big scene and ordeal and twenty questions and. They let us through, and uh, then a Michigan State trooper pulled up, remember? And he was, like, kind of pulling us over to the side of the road. You don't remember? Like was very, it because of, of our plates? We didn't maybe, have plates on both sides yeah. or something like that? Was very shortly after uh, the border, like, within half an hour. And I was like, wow, again? <laughs> you know? Where is this trip going? But then, finally, we got past that. We went through Indiana,
1: if you'll it's recall. Gary, Indiana.
2: Remember? It's a famous town. Remember that? Yeah. The murder capital? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Do not pull over. <laughs> so, yeah, we went And then we hit Chicago
2: traffic. Yes. And detours. This was pre-smartphone
1: days. Exactly. We had maps. Maps. We had printed out MapQuest. Map <laughs> 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 it didn't account for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were like in some weird suburb of yeah. of Chicago, and we were you know from Montreal and lost really a little bit scared. <laughs> I still remember the highway. If I believe it was the I ninety. Yeah, yeah. But then, but then we got to the gig, and there was nobody there. <laughs> yeah, I remember playing. At a, there was like what twenty people watching. Am I wrong? Yeah,
2: twenty thirty. Yeah, unbelievable. But it was like we went on right after Macabre.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: But that was when Dave Ellison came to hang out with us at our van. And that was when, uh, yeah, we got introduced to, a, I think our drummer got introduced to a pedal company at that time. That's and right. And ended up using those pedals for a while. That's right. Axis. Yeah. No, it was Trick oh okay trick pedals that was like a revolutionary technology at the time the mm-hmm. single uh, the no chain thing yeah 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 so they were like the first ones to do it so yeah and then we came back and did that whole drive back
1: <laughs> and we, we, we we sold no merch I, I, I don't remember it was it was definitely one of those things that that sounded good
2: yeah. Uh, do, you, paper. do you remember the gear us with our gear list and having to go to the Canadian side first before crossing? And then exactly. Was, yeah. And they were like, oh, this looks really good. Like it was almost like a teacher telling us we should get a gold star <laughs> on an assignment or something. I remember that. Yeah. And then we finally came home and I don't know if we saw James on the way back or not, but we definitely passed through that area on the way back.
1: Yeah. We had a lot of fun in three mile. We did a lot of very fun shows. Another fun show that that I have deep in my heart was playing Bloodshot Eyes Farm Show. Oh yes, that was really, really, really fun. We were. It was. It was in a pea field, wasn't it, or something like that? Uh, beans. Beans. Yes. Beans.
2: It was in Leamington, Ontario.
1: That's right, and that was fun. And Andas played that. Yeah. And Threat yeah. signal. Yeah, yeah, and the PA was shot to hell.
2: Closed casket funeral.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, We stayed at that house. Oh, yeah, the house. Is that the same
2: time? Was that No, that was on the tour. Okay,
1: no, yeah. We did a tour with Kanai. That was fun, too, with yeah. Bloodshot Eye, too. We did a lot of fun things. Um, you were actually a big reason why I'm in Cryptopsy, because when Flo called me and he told me that he was looking for me to join, I said no. Mm-hmm. I mulled over it, and then I said no. And then as soon as you left Three Mile... I hung up the phone with you, and I picked up the phone <laughs> and called Flo back and said, uh, "Are you still looking?" And luckily, he was, and here I am. So I did, you know, so you're fact, welcome. <laughs> the fact that that you 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 had to step away from three mile actually, yeah, motivated me to go somewhere else. So
2: oh, there you go. See, so things still continued for a reason.
1: Of course, yes. Uh, do you think? Uh, did you ever imagine that I would have a craft beer and metal podcast?
2: Maybe yes, actually.
1: <laughs> do you no, remember I mean, when I when I first spoke to you about this? Yeah. And, and well, did you think that it would be something that I would stick to?
2: Yeah, maybe. I thought it could be interesting. I you usually stick to what you do. Like it, it got bigger quicker than I thought it would have, because you know everybody has a friggin' podcast now. But it's doing
1: well, so that's good. So you know. Cheers to that. Cheers. One last question. What is your hangover cure? Mm.
2: Hating myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, f- honestly, man. I mean, my my thing used to always be to drink three tall glasses of water before bed. That was like that would usually serve me pretty well. I'm older now, so I feel like that wouldn't save me as much as it used to anymore. But uh, you know, sometimes like a greasy breakfast will help that, or uh, you know, just ride through the pain. Except now, the, the for me, like I said, a little older the hangover's definitely last longer than they used to. So, that's why I le- I only let myself get to that point a lot less often nowadays.
1: <laughs> it is wise words right there, everyone. Yeah.
2: But, you know, still indulge once
1: in a while. It's it's how we live. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, thank you so much uh, for taking some time to uh sit down with me and tell everyone a little bit about how I was back in the day. I really appreciate it. I'm stoked to to keep hanging out with you now in person. Yeah, in person. But no. not with you guys. We're but we're we're distanced.
2: You're at the other end of the table.
1: We are we are totally following the rules. So, we're going to keep hanging out, but not with you guys. You guys have a good night. Good night. Thanks, man. Hey. Thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. Cheers to Mike for uh, being the first person that I interviewed face-to-face. I haven't done that in a very, very long time, and it it was very nice to do it. We were sitting far apart, as we mentioned at the end of the interview there, and we hung out afterwards, and it felt really, really good. I love you, dude. So much fun to reconnect with you, to be with you again. Always a blast. Can't wait to do that again. Thank you so much for taking the time to shine some light on who I was right up until the point when I joined Cryptopsy, and uh, as I mentioned during the intro, I would not be where I am right now if it wasn't for you. So I love you, dude. And thank you so, so much. That's it. That's the origin story. That's uh, a little glimpse into who I was from 1999 up until 2007, right when I joined Cryptopsy. So, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope, uh, some of it was embarrassing and you enjoyed that. Uh, I like to shine a little light on who I was and, you know, and that's it. So I hope you enjoyed it. So, uh, stoked to see you all this Thursday at the Vox and hops thirsty Thursday, virtual hang, uh, Uh, the link for these are now private if you would like to come you have to send me a message you need to be invited this has now become an exclusive club so if you want to be a part of the vox and hops thirsty thursday gang you must be invited or vetted for by another member of the gang and it's going to be a good time so so you should join us just send me a message and i'll let you know how you can join us thirsty thursdays always happen on thursday night at 8 p.m you should join us it's fun. Send me a message for that link. I hope you guys have a good rest of the week. I have one more episode coming at you this Friday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsets.